You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the Welcome to the Carpenter Queens Podcast, the weekly pop culture horror queer show where we talk the best and worst the horror genre has to offer. We come to you live from the TCQ Video Store. Your favorite VHS rental spot where you can pick up the best and worst for only 69 cents a day. Gatekeep. Gaslight. Girl boss. I am Nicholas Reese running for president 2024. <laughs> That's the gatekeeping for me. <laughs> and I'm the lint stuck in your belly button. Ugh. My name is Raymond. Oh, you're so foul. You're so foul. Please clean that out. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the store. Ray has recently reorganized our paranormal section. It is now categorized by killer nuns, hot killer nuns, monster houses, and of course, creepy kids. So please feel free to browse. I mean, hello. It just makes total sense. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So before we talk this week's recommended rental, we want to try and include a new segment that includes you. TCQ video. What do you want? Hello. Do you want to be featured on the show? Ring up TCQ (laughs) video and send in a message. Have a question. Want to recommend a flick? You want to leave a complaint? Well, call us at anchor.fm slash thecarpenterqueens. Click on message, get ready, and then click record. Send it our way. We will include a link in this week's episode's description box. End of messages. Last bit of housekeeping, we would love for y'all to leave a comment and rate the podcast wherever you are streaming. If you love what you hear, hit that subscribe button or follow button wherever you are streaming, please. We are in our second week in our February free-for-all month. Last episode, we got to celebrate our very first birthday at the store, but continuing the excitement is a cult classic modern-day slasher. For this week's recommended rental, set the table, wear your best fox mask, and get ready for some awkward family arguments. This week's recommendation is a sharp-witted cult classic slasher. TCQ Video recently got in copies of Adam Wingard's You're Next. And now, our feature presentation. Listeners, this family dinner shot to hell is available for streaming on... Hulu. Mm. Either that or it's time to rent or purchase. And well, we won't get into our suggestions just yet, but that's where you can stream. Honestly, I didn't even realize it was on Hulu. I would have I would have just done that rather than digging through my fing Blu-rays. <laughs> that's what I had to do. <laughs> oh no. I watched it on Hulu, but I also do own this on Blu-ray, so please don't let that take away from the fact that you should buy the Blu-ray. <laughs> It's almost time for dinner, so let's go take a walk and get ready for... <laughs> 420, what you smoking? Yes, well, we, we love those walks. <laughs> what did you smoke with this week's watch? So, for this week, I actually had um, some cute shit on hand for once. I had a little bit of leftover stuff from our trip from San Diego and I have your favorite brand, the Baby Cheaters. I'm ro- Listen, everybody, it's not that I don't like this. It's not that I'm not no, saying, it oh, is. don't smoke that. Don't, don't you speak for me. That's not my narrative. That is not my narrative, Gia. <laughs> it is not my narrative. 
But it's just the name. Jeter for me just sounds a little odd. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't have an answer for it. It's just one of those things. Like, I don't like the word condiments. Condiments just sounds sexual. Well, that's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, we had these leftover baby Jeters. And they're these little joints hit. They, they? Another coworker of mine happens to love this brand. Like, this is what she smokes exclusively. Because they hit their, their little mini joints. Um, they're infused with liquid diamonds. This was the hybrid, and it was horchata. <gasps> so refreshing. Actually, I mean, I kind of hate when brands are like, ooh, ooh, this is key lime pie, and this is sour berries. Like, no. Okay, no. This doesn't taste like key lime pie to me. But this actually, it had... I wouldn't say it tasted like horchata, but it, it had like a like a sweet undertone, almost like there was cinnamon in it. Oh my god, that sounds freaking delicious! I would absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. What did you have? Listen, it's been a week, everybody. Okay, I will just say that it's been quite the week, and she's been a busy, busy, busy gal. So, in order to treat myself, I bought a new bubbler today. Like literally, like an hour Yay. before we recorded, I got a cute little bubbler. I smoked her up. I don't know what strain it was. Because I just said, weed, cool. Put it in the bag, sis. Let's go. <laughs> Smoked her up. I will say. Drugs. I need drugs. Drugs, drugs, drugs. drugs. Give me my drugs. <laughs> but not only that. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I'm in a really happy mood. You know, when you've had a long day at work and all you need is a good smoke. And when that smoke comes in hand, yes. it makes everything better. But while we set some traps, how did you come to g- find out this movie? This one was... It, I see your face already, and I kind of the same thing, sis. I don't really remember when it fell into my lap. I just remember watching yeah. it and being like, oh, this, this, this is it. I want to say we watched this together, but I don't think we saw this in theaters or anything. No. I don't think we watched this until, like, I want to say, like, Redbox or something. Maybe? Because all I really remember was being... Gagged. <laughs> Gagged, bitch. Because this movie goes for it. And I I don't know. I Maybe it's the stoner. Maybe it's the trauma. I don't know. I can't remember. But <laughs> uh, I don't remember how I came across this movie. I just remember watching it and being blown away. Yeah. I, I want to. I'm almost certain it, it wasn't until like it was at home video that I saw it. Because oh, I did not watch this in theaters. Because I don't. This totally flew under the radar for me. I don't remember hearing anything about this. Oh, this absolutely fell under the radar for a lot of people. It still kind of is. I would definitely say this has a cult following behind this movie, and I think it's. I think it's well deserved. The, I mm-hmm. did not know until the research of this movie that a lot of people don't like this movie, and for oh. me, for me personally. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a sit down, <laughs> sis. Because let's I, have a kiki. Let's have a kiki. Yeah. Because I don't get it. The first time I, I think you are, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. We watched this together because this kind of came out. I want to say on video, maybe 2013, 2014. Because this mm-hmm. one does have a release in 2011, and we'll talk about why like things get mis- misconstrued. I just remember being like, oh, oh. Oh, <laughs> this. This is great. And I cannot wait to talk about this freaking delicious movie. So let's check out the VHS's very little special features and find out how this movie was made. 
You're next. Released with a film festival release on September 10th of 2011 at TIFF, or Toronto International Film Festival, and a U.S. release of August 23rd, 2013. It took forever to find a distributor for this movie, which is why there's that two-year gap, and that kind of happens a lot, especially for indies. kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Sorry, I think it's just shitty that they had a hard time finding a distributor. Because Especially for well, this one. Whatever, we'll get into our opinions. Yeah. <laughs> we have a runtime of one hour and 35 minutes. We have a rating of R, well-deserved. And it whole, it wears it like a cute little little button that I just got at Hot Topic, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That you put on your, your pocket right here so that everybody can see it right, right, right above the nipple. Titty. Oh, my, oh my God. Titty. My big knockers <laughs> but yes it wears that are very proudly and it has a very clean runtime of an hour 35 she's fast because she's she, she gets the job done bitch mm-hmm. it very nicely cleanly sets up your your storyline and then just jumps into the action which we love we love this speaking of loving things my favorite part taglines did you remember to lock your door? The animals will hunt you. Hunt, sweet hunt. Home is where the hunt is. The door may be locked, but it won't protect you. I don't recall any, any taglines. Taglines. No. Yeah. Um, I don't like any of the hunt ones. No. I understand why they're using them, but. No, I don't like it. I think the only one I like is either, like, did you remember to lock the door? Or the door may be locked, but it won't protect you. I feel like those are the only ones that really work. Sure. In reference to the movie. Sure. Yeah. You could. Those are those are opinions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They should have just went with no tagline. No tagline. No tagline. If it's not a very strong tagline, don't do it. I also included a very lame set of taglines. Jack <laughs> <laughs> is back. Oh, sorry, you just want to read them. No, you do it, please. I don't have oh. the audacity to. <laughs> <laughs> the pack is back. Don't bother locking the doors. Animals don't use tools. <laughs> His pack versus yours. These are... That second one awful. is horrendous. First of all, animals do use doors. Did you not see Jurassic Park? Velociraptors oh, my God. But, but I don't get the pack is back. None of that makes sense. Is this a sequel? Who's the pack? What's going on? Who is that? Don't bother locking the like doors. I pack Animal- of animals. What? And his pack versus yours? That also doesn't make any sense. None of them make sense. These are terrible. First of all, the first batch of antagonists that you actually went with weren't good. And then the ones that you... <laughs> no. This is what was all the... No. You have been stopped. Your Next was directed and edited by Adam Wingard. This is their second time, our TCQ alumni, with their last visit being VHS's Tape 56 segment, which was the main story frame in the movie. Uh, Also, the director of The New Blair Witch in 2016, The Guest in 2014, and most recently, Godzilla vs. Kong in 2021. I like The Guest. I had a great time with Godzilla vs. Kong. No. Ah! I didn't watch The Guest, I didn't watch Godzilla, and I hated The Blair Witch. I hated Blair Witch. No. No. But I enjoy this. I, I really enjoy this, what he does in this movie. And I... Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to talk about it, especially some of the editing choices, and especially this time around, the camera work. I have so much to say about the camera work this time around. Good and bad. 
Oh, I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Writers written by Simon Barrett, also a two-time alumni from the same movie. He would write Tape 56 and The Sick Thing That Happened to Emily when she was younger. And literally all the other films we mentioned except Godzilla. Yeah, they work together a lot. So I like them together because I think you should watch The Guest. I think it's really fun. A lot of people put it up there on a pedestal. I don't get it. But if it's for you, it's for me. Why are you recommending I watch it? Because it's still a good time. It's still fun. And the soundtrack. Oh, my God. The soundtrack is spectacular. Okay, I'm a sucker for a good soundtrack. Yes, you are. Starring Sharni Vincent as Erin, Nicholas Tucci as Felix Davison, Wendy Glenn as Z. And fun little side note, Sharni and Wendy were actually roommates and besties during filming. So cute. So cute. AJ Bowen as Crispin, Joe Swanberg as Drake, and he's also in VHS Second Honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Margaret Laney as Kelly Davison, Amy Simons as Amy Davison, Ty West as Tariq, who recently directed the new porno slasher fic from A24. X. I'm so, I'm so excited for it. Sucker for an A24 movie. Me too. Rob Moran as Paul Davison. And the Barbara Crampton as Aubrey Davison. Horror legend, y'all. The second time she's gracing our store. We talked all about her in our Choppy Mall episode. And she's also known for her role in The Reanimator. Both amazing, amazing 80s flicks. Please check out our Chopping Mall episode. I freaking love set it's over it's over set it down they won chopping mall is it for me it is my one of my favorites to come out of the 80s i love that for you lc <laughs> holt as lamb mask simon barrett as tiger mask and he's also our screenwriter lane hughes as fox mask larry fessenden as eric harson kate lynn shiel as talia and Calvin Reeder as Officer Trubiano. Even though we don't get his name, like, at all in the movie. I was about to say, it's... we did not need that. No, this was another They Live situation where it's like, nobody's name's ever really mentioned. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to reviews. IMDb gave it a 6.6 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 66 out of 100. AV Club gave it a very solid B. On Rotten Tomatoes, they got a 79% on the tomato meter and a 60% audience score. Surprisingly uh, low audience I, score. Let, I told you. Like, during this research, I find out that a lot of people don't like this movie. And the, some of the stuff I've seen, valid. You're valid. You have every right to feel the way that you have to feel about it. A lot of people don't like the black comedy aspects of it. But those are my favorite parts are the black comedy right? aspects of it. A lot of people. I also didn't know that apparently this is categorized within a film genre known as mumblecore. Have you heard of this? What the f- no. Hold on one sec. I'm going to pull it up right now. Mumblecore? It sounds like a, a weird subgenre of metal. It- <laughs> Mumblecore <laughs> is a subgenre of independent films characterized by naturalistic acting and dialogue, sometimes improvised, for low budget film productions, an emphasis on dialogue over plot, and a focus on personal relationships of people in their 20s to 30s. Filmmakers associated with the genre include Anna Wingard, as well as, funny enough, Greta Gerwig, Aaron Katz, Joe Swanberg, who we just talked about here, and a lot of other people. And it's just like, oh, didn't know this was a thing. When it's described that way, 
that makes sense to makes me. Sense. A lot of <laughs> yeah. people, though, who are categorized within this, like the directors, don't like to be mm-hmm. associated with the terminology mumblecore. It's so interesting. That more you know. I've never heard of that term before. I've never heard of that term. But I can see that being a reason as to why people don't like this movie because there is a lot of it. There's a lot of improvisation in this movie. The, yeah. There's uh, a lot more emphasis on black comedy that comes out of these, this like natural storytelling. However, for me, I love that. I f-ing love right? that. I feel like it was, I feel like it's a good balance between the dark comedy aspect of it to, to balance out the, quite honestly, like brutal things mm-hmm. that are happening in this movie. Um, so I don't, I enjoyed it, but I mean, we're also dark and twisted like that. So <laughs> I mean, hey, that's how we deal with trauma and stressful situations. We crack a f-ing joke about it. <laughs> Relax, sis. It's only trauma. Kim, there's people that are dying. For our production, we have a budget of an estimated $1 million and a box office gross worldwide income of $26.9 million. So that's great for an independent film. I'll, I'm sure anybody right? would gladly take that turnaround. Shit, I'll take it. Exactly. For our very small production history, all that I can really wrangle up was that consisting of night shoots, the film was shot in 2011 on location at a mansion in Columbia, Missouri. The film was shot with much of the actors improvising many scenes, especially during the casual conversations the characters have, which is completely evident in pretty much Drake's character, Crispin's character. (laughs) And it's, it's really fun to watch, even though I feel like we'll get to it. Some of these actors are not actors a script honey a script at least a skeleton maybe you want to write a couple (laughs) notes down Uh, we'll get to it. Uh, Sharni Vinson, the badass that she is, is a dancer and stunt woman. This led to her amazing performance during a lot of these stunts. She focused on reactive martial arts before filming to get into the mind frame of a survivalist consistently scanning their environment. And it totally pays off. Erin is in the pantheon of fantastic final girls. I said it. Mm-hmm. I said it. Up. Keep your wig on. Agreed, bitch. And anybody who doesn't agree that she is a, a fantastic final girl is a hating ass bitch, and they're just bitter because they don't like the movie for ulterior reasons. Because even if you don't like this movie, you have to give it up to Erin for being a bad ass bitch. Yes. <laughs> because she yes. is that bitch. I cannot wait. This is that's it. This is the end of production history. Here Thank you, everybody. This. Welcome. Oh my god. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, that really was nothing. But also, it's an indie film, so, you know, there's that. We'll be right back after these messages. Our movie opens with the true horror in life. Bad heterosexual sex. After the lackluster boink session, Talia, the woman, heads to the living room to play some music and make herself a little post-Codis cocktail. She needs that. Because there's always time for a cocktail. She leans against the couch and looks over her shoulder menacingly as if she sees something. We cut to Eric the man getting out of the shower and walking into the bedroom. He notices something on the sliding gas window. It says, you're next. (gasps) Written in blood. Just as he turns to run, he is gutted with a knife in the stomach by a killer in a lamb mask. <gasps> uh, 
So let's talk about this hetero opening. So I have to state that poor woman, that poor woman. Oh my God. I'll get to her feelings in a second, but I just have to state that I think this opening is extremely clever. It immediately gives you all of the tropes of a horror movie. And then later on, it's going to flip it on you so quickly. And I really like that. I really Mm -hmm. like the script's capability to flip really fast. The, this is like, the tone of this movie switches so quickly. I love how switch, how quickly this the tones shift. And this, for me, is one of them. Because this opening gives you every trope in the book. They just had sex. They're drinking. Randy would be pissed to hear that they're doing all this. I'm surprised Talia didn't say, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm surprised they weren't doing drugs. That's all I was missing. <laughs> but, like, a screwdriver? How old is Talia? How old is Talia? That was a screwdriver. I haven't drank screwdrivers since like middle school to like going to high school, right? What are you, 12? Thank you. Poor girl. It was that bad. It was that bad. And then to get that, and then to get like bad sex right before you die. You die. That's such a bad way to go out. It is. This is my, this is what I leave in the world. No, um, no. <clears throat> I also really like that that is our title sequence of the blood. That, that is our title card. The title card is mm-hmm. the blood in the window. I think it's clever. Me too. I love it. We join two of our main characters, Paul and Aubrey Davison, as they make their way to their vacation home for an anniversary getaway with their grown children. As they near their destination, Aubrey comments that their neighbor Eric is home, and Paul confirms that he'll be living nearby full time, and that it will be nice to have a neighbor again. When they reach their destination, Paul realizes that the door was unlocked. He explains that it doesn't look like anyone has been inside, and chops it up to the workman leaving it unlocked. Aubrey begins to unpack the house as Paul brings in the groceries. We meet our first child, Crispin and his girlfriend Erin. Erin asks about Crispin's parents and how loaded they are. Crispin states that his dad used to work for KGB, but only in the marketing department. Okay. Hi, Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Hi again, Barbara. I adore adore love cannot like say enough wonderful things for Robert Crampton who's getting like another like peak in her career within the horror community she was just in Jacob's wife which was a big hit amongst like the indie horror movies she was just in color in space with Nicolas Cage which was another hit with a whole bunch of people in the horror movies she's she's got her her foot still in horror so I love that how do you feel about the parents I am not the biggest I not, not, not that I'm not a fan of the parents. I'm not, like, a huge stand like you are for, uh... Barbara what's her Frampton. name? Barbara Frampton. Frampton. Um, <laughs> Crampton? Whatever. I was thinking <laughs> Peter Frampton. So I'm not, like, quite as familiar with her filmography. Um, mm. But the parents... I don't know. I, I don't really care for them, to be honest. I feel like they're just there, and they're another... They're kind of just, like, a story device, um, which we'll get into later. But I... I don't know. I really don't feel like they're fleshed out characters. I just feel like they're there. They're celebrating their anniversary. They want their kids there. And obviously their kids are estranged. They have this weird relationship. They're rich um, people. So clearly, I was just about to say because they're rich. They're not, they're not the most closest family. I don't know. It's weird. It's there. They're not my favorite characters, but they're not bad by any means. Agree to disagree. I really like Aubrey. I like her character. I think she's the perfect, like, welcoming, warm, but still waspy type of mother. Like, she just gives off those vibes, especially later on when, like, the dinner party starts. And she's like, ah, oh, I'm just so happy to have you all here. You have no idea what it means to me. But that's what she's a pill popper, Jackie. Well, that's what she's got a character development. I personally 
do not like the dad. I think, I've seen this actor before. I just think that this was not it. This was, every time he delivered a line, I was just like, this is the most wooden. <laughs> I can't, what? Like George Clooney wishes he can give this type of performance. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like he was like reading lines out of the script book. Like it felt like he was trying to improv for the first time. And this is like, <laughs> I mean, this it, is what it's happened. It's probably true. Like he's probably like an actual actor who needs like a script. And he's like, I can improvise. I got this. This shit's easy. And clearly he don't got this. It's the, it's the line. That's funny. What? It's open. Like that's, that is how. Okay. <laughs> There's another problem I have. Rich people first are wild. All, rich people are wild. They're just like, here, let's drive out to our vacation home that we probably only go to once a year because when they get there, everything is covered with tarps. Like, nobody's been there in I months, wrote this bitch. in my notes. I was like, th they have money. Money. Mm -hmm. Those are expensive money, dust honey. covers. It's not the plastic ones that I'm used to. No. These are like the big, nice canvas ones that prevent the moths from eating your clothes. And so they have that. And then he just goes up and he's like, huh. That's funny. The door is not locked. <laughs> and then they're just like, well, let's go inside and investigate. Well, it doesn't look like anybody's been here. Oh, the worker, the workman must have just left open. I would have went through every door and every closet, checked underneath every bed, went up in the attic, went down into the basement, checked every nook and cranny. I don't understand the, the idea. Do rich people really think that they're just like that safe all the time? Are we really that traumatized where we're just like, don't trust nothing, don't trust no one, open every door? I don't know, but Possibly. This, is, this is my biggest gripe with this script because later on we get characters who are smarter, who understand, who develop. And I guess that's just these characters because I hate all of these people as you should their characters are not <laughs> likable they are the no. worst and i will talk about them later on but i uh, this is i want to move on because i want to talk about aaron this this is the aaron stan podcast okay <laughs> yes okay my first impressions of Erin are that she's really sweet, and I love the turn later on. Because if you've never seen this movie before, you already know she's going to be your final girl. You never know how she's going to be that type of final girl. You don't know how it's going to lay out, what's going to happen. But Erin is instantly likable. She's not part of this rich cult. And her first instinct is, is there booze? I need to know. <laughs> They're rich white people. Of course, there's going to be booze and pills. But remember that Crispin states, not right now, because my mom's like, she's on she's on pills right now. That's so she right. immediately says, we need to stop for booze. We should stop. <laughs> we need to stop. <laughs> we need to stock up. This is us. Is there, there going to be a weed shop in town? Where? Can I at least get a vape? <laughs> she's a survivalist. She needs to survive the in-laws. Okay. <laughs> Bitch, I relate. Hard. Hardcore. Hardcore. I really like Erin. She's instantly likable. Crispin just kind of, like, Crispin entirely, the entire movie, I don't care, is just a whiny little baby. He's just a whiny little big baby. <sighs> He's a little bitch. The whole movie. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Him. Oh, yeah, but then, like, also in the car right over, she's also asking, like, how loaded his parents are. He's like, well, my dad used to work for the KGB. And she's like, the KGB? What is the KGB? Like, but only... If I know, I don't know. Is it something about defense something or another? 
what wilds me out about rich people is that rich people are always willing to like take the money, do the money, use the money, but don't talk about the money. Oh, we don't talk about that. Like whenever, anytime Aaron brings up the money, everyone's like, uh, what money? It's just like, fuck <laughs> off, fuck off. Well, also because they like know Aaron's an outsider. So they want to make sure she's not a gold digger. When in reality, really, darling? Pearls? What is this, a dinner party? You're that there. girl I knew you were. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't wait to get a 16 candles reference in there. Ah. <sighs> Back in the house, Aubrey is putting the finishing touches on the house when she hears a loud clatter come from upstairs. She's quickly frightened, and when she realizes her husband was downstairs lighting the furnace, she runs outside to safety while Paul checks the upstairs mystery noise. As Paul checks one of the many bedrooms, he gets a jump scare from Crispin, asking why his mom is in the driveway crying. (laughs) They both head downstairs, and when they do, the camera pans over to the closet Paul was about to search, and his door opens just a little by itself. The men meet their partners outside and explain to Aubrey that they checked all the bedrooms and turned up empty-handed. Aubrey apologizes and everyone heads inside. Crispin and Aaron retire to the room for the night where they discuss his family some more. Aaron is excited to meet the rest of the Davison family, but Crispin seems apprehensive. He states, It's going to be something. We haven't all been together in a long time. The, immediately, it is the line. Not to get on the wrong foot here, but uh, why is mom crying in the driveway? Oh. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I okay. This is the part that I'm going to mention. The steady cam work in this movie feels borderline Cloverfield Blair Witch Project. I did not realize until this go around how ridiculously shaky this like multiple time multiple shots of this movie it and it sometimes it's not even moments that kind of need a steady cam it's just like they're fli- slightly frightened and they're talking to each other but it's going like this it's going up and down <laughs> sis we're building tension it was, it was reality tv bitch we're like we're recording the real world legitimate legitimate it, it i get it i get it as a way to build Tension. And there's a lot of shots in this movie that I really like, especially when people start getting offed right one right after the other. But there is something about the shaky cam that it, it borderlines just too much for me. Honestly, like I didn't even quite notice it as much as you are. I know, I know there are definitely shots in there that were steady cam. And honestly, maybe they just they did so much steady cam to just hurry up and get the shoot done with. Maybe Possible. they didn't have Maybe they didn't have the um, funds for like a dolly and the or the fact that they that other stuff. filmed on location. So I sh- I'm sure that old school house did not have hallway friendly areas to film or like area and space to give you the big grandiose shots that you like might want. But some yeah. it was just uh, uh, choice. Getting older. Choices I'm getting older. I got motion sickness. <laughs> She's getting older, all right. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? I want to ask, and I thought about it while, film, while we were watching. How would you feel meet this being your first time meeting your mother-in-law? No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Um, I, upon meeting, like, one's family for the first time, I would not want to spend the weekend with them in one house. No. The whole family, too. I need to be able to leave and go decompress and talk shit. So, um, no. No. That's a no for me, dog. (laughs) What about you? You want to talk about true horror? That's this. (laughs) 
I don't know how I would feel if this was my first time meeting my mother-in-law. I was just like her crying in the driveway. I'm just like, is everybody like this? <laughs> I would have got back in the car. <laughs> Deuces, I'm out. They can bump up my plane ticket. Oh, it's, I wouldn't know how to feel, but I, 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 no, no, I wouldn't want to. This sounds like the worst way to meet your mother-in-law. And Aaron pulls it off fine. She's over there holding her. She's being very sweet. She's doing what she needs to do. What about poking her with a stick from five feet away? You okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, sure. Yeah. Hmm. The next morning, Crispin comes downstairs to see his girlfriend already getting acquainted with his brother, Drake, and his wife, Kelly. Crispin walks over to greet his brother, and they have an awkward play fight where Drake tells Crispin not to kiss his wife. Later in the kitchen, Aaron offers Aubrey help, and Aubrey asks her to go over to the neighbor's house to borrow some milk. As she makes her way out, she, as she, makes her way out, she passes Crispin and his dad discussing his flailing career. When Aaron makes it to the neighbor's house, she's greeted with blaring music, but no answer ta, ta, ta. Ta, na, na. let's talk about hotline bling drake up in here ma'am <laughs> ma'am i ma'am, this is a wendy's <laughs> i cannot stand drake i cannot stand him he's a fantastic actor for making me want to smack the f at him but yeah. i <laughs> he's so f- annoying he's so f- <sighs> annoying and toxic all of these people are literally just like grown babies. All of these rich people. Rich people just have the weirdest Aren't relationships. All rich people just big babies. Rich people problems. It's like it's yeah. not, hash, hash, the name of this episode, hashtag rich people problems. It's, <laughs> it's like, this is ridiculous. I feel so uncomfortable when he starts making fun of Crispin for being big. And then he, I cannot stand when he's just like, Ooh, why are you kissing my wife? Uh, oh, it's gross. Dude, uh, it's so uh, He's weird. He's weird. He is. He still acts like a 12 year old. And then it's just awkward. It's an awkward encounter for both Kelly and Aaron. And then, (laughs) so Aaron goes into the kitchen where um, Aubrey is doing dishes. Wow, rich people, they do their own dishes. Because the help didn't come in this weekend. It was a holiday. (laughs) They gave her the weekend off. Um, and Aaron offers up help and I don't feel like she was just offering help to be nice. And she's like, Oh, you really want me to go do something? Okay. <laughs> it's the fact that Aubrey tells her, get out of my house and go get something outside of the house. That's like, Aaron's like, ah, <laughs> cause that's how do I took it outside. That's how I took it. I took it as Aubrey being like that mom, that like entitled mom. That's like, please leave now. <laughs> I'm approaching. (laughs) It's, I think it's funny. I think it's great. A lot of this black humor comes out of like rich people problems. Just like rich people. I love, I don't care. I do not care. I love TV shows that are just about rich people having shitty problems and their lives being shit because they're rich and it makes me happy. And, and because we can't relate. And so we're just like, ah, those are your problems. <laughs> I'm poor. <laughs> but bring on the 2000s nostalgia, the digital camera that Aaron uses that becomes a plot device later on. Everybody, take out those cameras. Take a mirror selfie with your duck lip sound. <laughs> <laughs> with your headband and your scene hair. But you got to put the camera up here. 
It's gotta be up here. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta get the MySpace angles. It's gotta mm -hmm. be from above. I'm surprised Aaron didn't like to. <laughs> oh God, we're it's like the Disney knees where they're just like, uh -huh. and we're the neighbor's house. We gotta reveal that they're dead, and the music keeps playing. Dead. They're dead. Oh my God. That song is on repeat too for the entire. It gets annoying movie from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie literally it is the closing song it is your end credit song <laughs> oh they paid a lot of money for that song so that we're, this is the only song we're gonna use half of the budget went to that song <laughs> <laughs> oh one more rich people that problem ding one more parents ever being proud of your accomplishments or everything that you're doing huh no wonder crispin wants all these people dead spoiler alert <laughs> cinema sin ding <laughs> Back at the house, the last of the guests arrive, Amy and her boyfriend Tariq, and Felix with his girlfriend Z. Everyone meets everyone else's significant others in an awkward fashion, and as the family sits down for dinner, everyone gets to know each other and asks what all other Americans ask when they first meet someone. What do you do? Yeah. Tariq is a filmmaker, Whoa, and Drake a makes a question. total ass out of himself, right? Drake makes a total ass out of himself when speaking on the subject. When the conversation lags, Drake sets in on Aaron, asking how her and Crispin met, and ultimately calls him unprofessional. The men break out in an argument at the dinner table, and everyone at the table is either participating or spectating, except <laughs> for Tariq, who sees something outside. As he approaches the window, an arrow comes shooting through the glass and gets Tariq right in between the eyes. As the family slowly begins to realize what's happening, all-out chaos erupts. Everyone begins to run and hide. Paul sprains his ankle on literally nothing just by getting out of the chair. Drake gets an arrow to the back when he attempts to help his mom, and the family manages to make it to safety when Aaron coaches everyone to run by the window being shielded by their dinner chairs. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Gather myself. Let's meet everybody. Your first impressions, Felix, Z, Amy, and Tariq. These are some characters. These Man. are some characters. First of all, I went to school with Tariq. Tariq, I met him in film school. Shame. Z, Z is that, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know who Z is. I, she's weird. Felix is a low life, according <laughs> to his brother. <laughs> and then there's, um, I'm sorry, what was the sister's? Amy. Amy. She, forgetful. Uh, people pleaser. really i think she's super sweet she is totally a people pleaser let me guess your hobby is influencer something's <laughs> giving me those influencer vibes let me guess you support your boyfriend's film career uh, okay z is hilarious she's the goth girlfriend that comes to visit you're z just smoking it up outside hey living living for the hair Oh, I know. I'm totally for any sort of like Edna Mode, Anna Wintour bulk. <laughs> <laughs> Before we meet everybody, there is a segment where Drake and Kelly are getting ready and it is the most uncomfortable. Like their relationship oh, yeah. is so uncomfortable. Kelly's getting ready and Drake tries to come in and just essentially put the moves on her before any of that happens. I love it. I love it because every couple does it. Every single couple does it, especially on group trips when you're by yourselves. What's that little Aaron girl? She's a little annoying. You know, the accent, it's just so jarring to me. <laughs> 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 yeah, they went and did the thing that couples do, went to the room and talked some shit and tried to get some nookie nookie. Well, Drake's trying to get the nookie nookie. Kelly is not about it. She's got a headache. And then my favorite response is that, <sighs> you have any Vicodin? Yeah, in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Go get some drugs. They're my purse. I hate and love all of these people. I, You immediately understand all of their relationships. These are not redeemable people. These are unlikable, rich, unrelatable to people. Which is why when things start happening to them, it's, it's jarring to see these kills, everybody, are fucking crazy they are brutal they are brutal and sometimes mean and i like it and sometimes come out of nowhere seriously These attacks come out of nowhere speaking of attacks the first one that the family essentially comes into contact with we've mentioned her once we've mentioned her twice i'm sure we've talked about three different scenarios on this damn show about my favorite types of scenes in cinema period a fucking dinner scene i love a good chaotic and dramatic dinner scene Yes, you do. Like we said, I forgot what episode we were talking about it at, but like anything could happen. Oh, Hereditary, Krampus, both with Tony Collette. Everybody go listen to them because <laughs> she will bring you a dinner scene. Tony Collette will burn down that dinner table. But <laughs> like we said, you can put characters at a table and have any scenario play out. And this scenario starts off as a very typical like family dinner we're gonna side jab and we're gonna throw shade and Comments. whatever and mm-hmm. and so obviously like a, a a fight breaks out and then it just culminates in chaos with the silent chaos. but deadly arrow not not so silent because it gets a couple people's attention but okay Talk about Dre. Let's. I just want to talk about everybody's interactions. This is cl- a lot of this is clearly improv. I'm sure we had beats that we had to hit in order to make sure that this scene had some sort of direction. Mm-hmm. I can't. Drake and Kelly are totally that toxic ass couple. When they're together and they're ganging up on you, it. They are the funniest parts of this movie. Kelly from here on out is nothing but comedy to me. She is nothing <laughs> but comedy to me. When they start talking to Tariq about his documentaries. What do you- do you do commercials? I just think commercials are just... Why Why watch shows? Those are the best parts now. <laughs> and then it's, it's... No, no, I make documentaries. I think they could do documentary commercials. I th- yeah, <laughs> no, I could, I've definitely seen one or two documentaries. And he's like, no, no. He was at an underground film festival. So what does that mean? Was, was the festival underground? Is there above oh ground festivals? It's just... <laughs> I hate Drake. He's just stirring the pot because once he's done with Tariq, he immediately sets his sights on Crispin and Aaron. Literally, once that conversation is done, he sees them having a good time across the table. No, 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 no. Not on my watch. Mm -mm. Uh Uh-huh. So, oh, oh, Aaron, how did did you and Crispin meet? Wait, were you a student of his? You were a student, huh? Not anymore. (laughs) I'm, I'm... I talked about this with John. I am not even going to attempt an Australian <laughs> accent on this episode. It's just not happening. It's, it's so blooming odd to stay. <laughs> we find out that Crispin was teaching and Aaron was his TA. And of course we had... We had to end that because we, we thought it was unprofessional. It was a little unprofessional. <gasps> what was that? I was just agreeing with you. I didn't think it's unprofessional. No, no, you weren't agreeing with me. You were, you were commenting. <laughs> it was just, just like a, <gasps> and oh this my is God. where 
people just start like either participating and jumping in or they're just sitting on the sidelines watching this shit because i would have been on the sidelines just like with my glass of wine sipping it down what's so fascinating and i really like is that the chaos that happens from Tariq's kill is it's extreme but we were building to it the tension is just building you're waiting for something to happen especially when Tariq notices stuff which by the way i have to mention Tariq's scarf hello early 2000s they just called <laughs> you look like a death cap for cutie indie sort of like artist like it's i'm waiting for like the checkered white and black print on that scarf. You oh know which one I'm God. talking about? Yeah, I know you exactly had which two. You're about. You had a red one, because I remember these specifically. I do not recall such things. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to find pictures. But then <laughs> the tension is just like sliced so quickly with this arrow. I love Tariq's death. I think it's funny to me seeing his cross-eyed, like once he gets the arrow through his head. <laughs> the You're right. It is just... It is straight chaos. None of these people are good under pressure. None of these people are good under pressure. Especially just consistently screaming, We're gonna die! We're gonna die! <laughs> I mean, that's literally, I feel like, how most rich people would, like, handle the pressure in the situation. Uh, it's so frustrating. It's just, uh, but immediately goes to chaos. Like, chaos ensues. And Aaron is the only one who's able to, like, Stay calm and level-headed and tell people what to do. Like, she has to tell them to get down. Hello, you got all your exposed by the windows. She has to tell them all to get down. And then they essentially, like, scurry by using their huge, luxurious dinner chairs um, as shields to run by the window. And all of them make it across cleanly except for Aaron. They shoot an, Aaron, uh, an arrow at Aaron's chair, and she just drops it and runs. And She's it. such a smart gal. She also takes a fire poker. She wastes no time. This movie, which I like so much about it, is one of the movies that I like to show people if they consistent are the people who are consistently yelling at the screen. They're like, why are you doing that? Go run here. Aaron is that person that is listening to the audience as they're screaming at the screen. Here, watch this, bitch. Shut up and watch this. You'll like it. It's sweet. It's, uh-huh. it's good. It's yes, yes. I I just have nothing but praise to say about this dinner scene. I love this dinner scene. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Once safely in the foyer, the family devises a plan to let Amy make a run for help. When Amy makes okay. a run for it, she's quickly taken down by piano wire strung up on the porch. It hits her directly in the throat, causing a huge, bloody gash in her throat. The rest of the family watches in horror as she bleeds out on the floor. Aaron goes into full survivor mode and starts securing the house and giving everyone tasks. Paul takes Aubrey upstairs to grieve alone. After he leaves the room, an assailant in a lamb mask makes his way from under her bed and kills her. Downstairs, the rest of the family hears her screams and runs back upstairs. <sighs> okay, let's talk about... Okay, this. This scene, I've mentioned multiple times, this movie changes tone so fast. We just had a really tense dinner scene that switched to a really crazy chaotic scene and immediately mm-hmm. we go back into black horror as everyone's trying to devise this makeup, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Black it's comedy. Black comedy. My favorite part about this is the fact that he all Derek that all Drake keeps yelling is drugs baby, I need drugs. Give me my drugs. <laughs> yes. And then I my one of my favorite lines in this movie is they're all trying to call the police, trying to call for help, but all like, <laughs> their phones have 
say no. And, and Felix and the other one just goes, Well, they might be using like a cell jammer, a cellular jammer. They sell them online for like 30 bucks. And Drake from the room, Felix, you fing low life. Why am I low life, man? I'm just trying to help the situation. You would fing know about some low life shit like that. That was totally ad lib. And for, I thought it was hilarious. It's hilarious it's what's so great about what i think about these actors is that they're reacting to everything to me feels legitimate except for the dad dad's the only one that i feel like (laughs) but everyone else is able to play on a dime drake is literally bleeding now drugged up and they're trying to figure out whether to take out the arrow or not which by the way don't ever take it out don't take it out never supposed to take it out you don't take it out you never go ask him out (laughs) god (laughs) On special occasions, it's romantic <laughs> to go ask them out. Yeah, don't pull that arrow out. That is a no. Don't pull the arrow out. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's trying to devise a plan. I'm going to mention the script again because it's so smart. People consistently complain. Well, why don't you call for help? Why wouldn't you get Jammer. There we go. We shut that down. That's why I like this movie. It really, It is a very self-aware sort of slasher that wants to play on those tra- tropes in a way that feels pretty vicious. Because it's from here, it just gets worse and worse. When they're deciding who's going to make a run for it, we get some of the best black comedy for me. So who's ever the fastest runner? I'm the fastest runner, but I have an, I have an arrow in my back. You are not <laughs> the fastest runner. Nobody ever believes in me. I could totally do it. <laughs> And then I think at one point, Crispin tries to chime in about running, and then his brother calls him a fat f- <laughs> You need to leave. <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? I have a f***ing arrow in my back. Honestly, like, this really does happen in stressful situations where people just lash out at like that. They're just children. They're children in a frightful situation, and every last one of them just doesn't know what to do. I feel so bad for Aaron, because multiple times Aaron's just like, I'm going to die here. I'm not because I don't know what to do, but you guys are idiots. You guys are fucking idiots. Every last one of them. And the tension just consistently keeps building. And when we mm-hmm. decide that it's Amy, I fucking love the shots. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again because I complained about the steady cam. I love these shots of her gearing up, of her taking her earrings off, taking her heels off, the slow build to her running because the tension is great. You're waiting waiting for something and bam bitch went down i was fully taken back when i first saw this it's still hard to watch during this moment same the first time i watched this and this happened i was god like oh i I, like you said i still wince every time that that wire connects with her throat and you see the like gash in her neck and the blood just spewing out of it oh it's so intense everybody's top notch we flipped tones on a dime because we went from a chaotic dinner scene back to dark comedy, back to... Then we have, like, a string of hope where we're like, yeah, Amy's going to run out and get some help. And then, bam, you're back to chaos when she gets it. When she gets it, I think the best part of directing from Adam Wingard is that he makes you sit with it for a very long, uncomfortable time. of everyone mm-hmm. just crying. I think the best actor in this moment is definitely Barbara Crampton just... I knew bawling it. over her baby. I'm a sucker for yeah. it. I'm a, I, I think that she does a fantastic naturalistic approach to it. And I, it's Aaron for a moment takes it in and it's like, F-. and then she goes into attack mode and it's, mm-hmm. she's a badass. She is a badass. I love her. Her survival instincts kicked in. She's like, it's survival of the fittest. Now 
we know they're going into go mode. Another complaint for the trip though. They left the mom again? Would you leave your mom after seeing all this and knowing someone's in the f***ing house? No, I agree. She should not have been left alone. But they like she was all catatonic. She was. She just, Tariq's not her kid, so never mind. She just saw her her child being like murdered in front of her. Yeah, so she I, didn't I give a f about Tariq. Nobody give a f about Tariq. Not even the film. Ah! <laughs> Back in the kitchen, Aaron is still securing the house when a man in a lion mask breaks through the window and grabs her by the neck. She's quick to grab a knife and pin his hand to the window frame. When Aaron searches for another weapon, the killer makes his boy get away. Back in the master bedroom, the family discovers Aubrey's body with the machete in her head and your necks written on the wall in blood. Paul goes apeshit while the rest of the family tries to stay composed. Kelly stays behind to cover up her body and when she hears a noise. She looks under the bed to be scared by the same mass killer. She goes crazy and runs outside screaming and yelling. Drake chases after her but gets his arrow stuck on the wire that killed Amy. He pulls out the arrow and immediately passes out from the pain. Kelly ultimately makes it to the neighbor's house and she fails to realize he's dead and succumbs to the killer in the lab mask. He finishes her off with an axe to the head. <sighs> this movie just keeps going. I love it. It just keeps going, doesn't bitch. Stop. Just keep going. So right away, Aaron starts securing all the windows and doors, closing everything, making sure everything's locked, closing curtains and shit. And while she's in the kitchen, like it happens so fast. She literally goes to like, go lock the windows. And as she goes to lock the other one, boom, immediately the killer breaks through the window and grabs her. And she reacts so quickly where she like stabs his hand and hand with the knife where she pins it to the windowsill. And he's like, freaky now and she turns around to get another weapon when she does he's already gone like michael myers bitch gone oh and it's, <laughs> it's solid it's solid aaron's skills are just top freaking notch for me she's kind of up there in terms of like jamie lee curtis in halloween 2018 and nancy from nightmare on elm street making traps she gives me the vibes of like the best aspects of all our favorite final girls which is mm -hmm. why i think i like her so much but i want to talk about just the imagery of Aubrey's body slain with your necks thrown across the wall. I think it is an excellent, excellent visual cue. It is gory, it's f***ed up, and it's very striking. And anytime that you can give me something visually striking, that's a point for you, bitch. It's like mm -hmm. double points for you. It almost gives me uh, Halloween 1978 vibes mm. with, with Nancy Bracken on the bed with the Judith Myers um, tombstone, but obviously like amped up to the extreme because mm -hmm. there is, first of all, she's got a machete down her forehead. There's blood everywhere. And then written on the wall in blood is your next. That, ooh, if that doesn't deliver a message, I don't know what will. What do you, what do you think the message means? Do you think, are you saying I could be next? Miss Kelly, I told y'all, from here on out, it's comedy. Straight comedy from her, wearing her best Lorraine Warren collar. And she, oh my God. The jump scare of the guy underneath the bed wasn't spooked by that. My favorite part is just that she doesn't stop screaming. She doesn't. Her reaction. <laughs> <laughs> she literally, like, all she did was, like, the flailing arms as she, <laughs> as she ran. Ah! she goes catatonic bitch and i guess i would too like i would have ran out of the house too but i would have said something like oh there's a killer under the bed mom's killer is under the bed she straight up said fuck you fuck you fuck you and uh, left with drake she going right after survival for the fittest bitch. she threw her dad down on the way out <laughs> her death 
How do you feel about Callie's death? Because I have some pretty strong feelings about it. I, as creative as all the kills up till now have been, I felt like it was a cop out. You know, I felt really? like could have done. I could have. I I felt like they could have done something a little more fun. It's not bad by any means. Like it's not a bad kill. Um, and it's feasible. I, I'll give it that. But I feel like as creative as all the other deaths and attacks have been, they could have went. You know, they could have judged it up a little bit. So for me, I feel it's really mean. I feel like her death out of everybody's is just like, I don't know why Kelly gets it, in my opinion, kind of the worst. He straight up punches her, like Mm -hmm. punches her through the glass. She does a Jill Roberts from Scream 4, gets knocked back onto the glass table, and then he Mm -hmm. swings into her head with an axe. It's really brutal to me. And for hers, I don't know why it feels so mean to me. And I really couldn't explain to you like why I get that emotion from it. But Hers, to me, is the only one that does it because Tariq's taken out quick. Uh, Amy is definitely brutal, but in the sickest way. But this one for me, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. It's just... I think it's because you, like, you maybe not feel for her, but she was kind of uh, a likable character, in your opinion. Mm -hmm. You like the humor she brought. And in all honesty, she didn't... She wasn't an unlikable character, especially because later on we find out what the real motives behind these kills are. And so the fact that she wasn't in on that, I think that makes you sympathize with her more. And that's probably why you feel so bad that she got such a brutal death. I think you might have just figured out my trauma. Like you hit it right on the nail on the head. (laughs) Because before her screaming into the night used to piss me off. I used to get so annoyed with her as a character when she's just consistently screaming. Now it makes me Mm. laugh. And then if I watch the movie too many times in a row, it annoys the shit out of me. But like, uh, yeah, that. (laughs) I don't know. I, I, her death was just there. I, I I didn't particularly feel for her, but I also mm. didn't like dislike her either. Yeah. We do get a really sick shot from it, even though we hear the song again and again and again oh, yes. during her death scene. But I love, I think it's the lamb, right? Once he's done killing her, he mm. goes to sit down right next to the dead body that he's propped up. With perfect posture, by the way. The action is too much for Crispin to handle, so he decides to make a run for it like Kelly did. The rest of the family stays behind and tries to stay alive. Aaron takes the lead and tries to arm everyone with a weapon. On her way back from the kitchen with said weapons, the Tiger Master Killer uses Kelly's dead body to break the window and move on in on Aaron. He swings at her with a huge sledgehammer and misses. Aaron hits him in the kneecap with a meat tenderizer to take him down and then hits him over and over in the back of the head to keep him down. Then she gives him another 12 more hits to the dome and make sure his skull is nice and tender. Put that bitch in the oven at 120 and set it and, and forget, forget it. it. This shit's gonna come out tender and crispy. Kidding. We watched Black Xmas way too many times. Back, up- <laughs> back upstairs, Paul finds evidence that one of the killers had been sleeping in the house and watching them for days. Just as he's explaining to Felix and Z that this is no accident, that their family is being targeted, a killer with a fox mask comes up from behind him and slits Paul's throat. Paul gasps for air and reaches out to his son for help, who is disgusted. Paul eventually bleeds out on the floor with Felix, looks at the killer, and states, Really? You had to do that right in front of me? Reveal. It's a reveal. We love a reveal, bitch. Let's dial it back. Crispin was just straight up like deuces. This is too I am much straight up not having a good time. <laughs> I think I'm going to go home. That's what Crispin said. Sure. Risk your life because you feel stressed out in this situation. 
And after that, we go right back into the action with the Tiger Mask Killer, who's just like, yeah, we're going to use a dead body to break this window open. Oh, my I'm gonna, God. I'm going to crawl in. He crawls in really slow, and it looks really cool and creepy. It really, really does. It's the brutality of it all. It's, mm -hmm. uh, using a dead body to get into the place that you're trying to get into, that's f***ed up. I like you, sir. That's some f***ed up that's, shit. That's some ghost face shit. That is some ghost face shit. But it's Aaron's good old tuck and roll, and then a smack with the meat cleaver, and then another smack. This shit is brutal. Brutal. Mm -hmm. You hear the crunching. You hear the squishing. You hear the slashing. It's Ooh. full Rambo. She goes full Rambo on his ass. And it's some of the most gratifying shit because you always want your final girl to go in, and Aaron wastes no time. Usually, with most final girls, they have to go through the trials. They have to get mm -hmm. to the end to fully start beating the shit out of people. Not Miss Aaron. They had to go. They essentially had to like be on the brink of death before they start fighting back. Aaron wastes no fucking time. Mm -hmm. Aaron wastes. Aaron's like, no, you're not messing with this face. This face is my moneymaker. This face <laughs> card is never declined. And she goes in on that killer with a meat tenderizer because she disables him by knocking him in the back of the kneecap. Ugh. Hits him over the head to like render him at least a little unconscious. And then she's got to do not the double tap, not the triple tap, not the quadruple tap. She does the 12 punch tap and tenderizes the hell out of that skull. Bitch, it was a Salisbury steak by the time she was. Oh my that. God. And it, the best part is when Z and Felix come in. Anyone know this guy? It's a little hard to tell. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's great. It's great. We also get a quick moment of Crispin be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go leave." Blah 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 blah. Aaron just knows it. God, I think he's gonna die. I think he's gonna die. Oh yeah. Because Felix also gives her, "Hey, I'm sure Crispin will be fine. He's a, he's a tough guy. Thanks, but you don't have to lie." <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, I guess this is my out of the relationship. I have to laugh. <laughs> the sequence in this movie just like everybody just starts dying so quickly, so mm. quickly. Paul's death, I find it hilarious that Paul. It took Paul such a long time to be like, I think, I think they're targeting us. <laughs> really? What was it? Was it the arrows? Was it your dead wife? Was it your, was dead, it your dead daughter? Where where did it start clicking for you? <laughs> What's not clicking? What's not clicking? How did you feel about our big reveal? I was gagged. Were I was you? Gagged. Yeah. I knew something shady was going on. I didn't expect them to go all Menendez brothers on them and have their parents uh. killed. Uh. So that was cut. brutal. That was br bitch. I grew up during the Menendez trials. That shit is brutal. Paul's death is really brutal. There's a lot of neck slicing in this movie, and it's fun to watch. His death is just brutal to watch in terms of, like, it's sorry. This is the most acting that I really like out of this actor, so thank you very much. Your death brought a lot for me on this table. It's, <laughs> it's him reaching for Felix, and Felix is, ugh. Mm. Uh. Felix, Felix uh, I wrote disgusted, but he's, like, disgusted slash horrified mm -hmm. because, like, it's, it's quite honestly brutal. Like, I can only I know this is a movie, but I can only imagine in real life like seeing someone's throat slit in real time and them like grasping out to you for help that that will be singed into your corneas and into your memory forever mm -hmm. 
And so I kind of realized why he's like, really? You had to do that in front of me? And I was like, but bitch, really? You hired Hitman to kill your parents? You didn't think you were going to see it? Whatever. Right. Trying to not get your hands dirty. I I don't want to say that I wasn't gagged. Uh, it's just they give the vibes. You're right. They gave off the shady qualities. So when it's oh, revealed, yeah. I am taken aback. But it's what a yes. Yes. You got me. It's the reveal later that really got me. I didn't expect that. Got it. Mm-hmm. As Erin tries to make her way to the basement, she hears the killer in the lab mask shout in anger when he discovers that Tiger Mask is dead. Aww. He hears Erin in the basement and tries to break in when he's stopped by a now-conscious Drake. Tiger Mask closes in on Drake when Erin bursts out of the basement and stabs the killer in the back with a screwdriver. He runs out the front door in terror. Felix and Z join the others downstairs, claiming that they saw nothing upstairs except Paul, who was lying down upstairs. They all head to the basement to see what they can arm themselves with. The boys check out their dad's toolbox while the girls head back upstairs to arm all the windows. While upstairs, Z asks Erin how she got to do how she knows how to do all this stuff, and she explains that she was when she was little, she grew up on a survivalist compound with her paranoid father. Can we talk about lambs like prostitute horses and just like flips the table? <laughs> The fear, the sheer ferocity and strength that that must have taken, because I know that table, antique, full wooden, whatever, bullshit, heavy. And it was like Martha Stewart decorated. Like, there was a full dinner on there. Full dinner. I was still eating that. The gravy was for everybody. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he goes apeshit. He goes apeshit when he discovers his dead brother. They killed his brother. It becomes personal, and I like that. It starts giving, like, a motive. Like, you understand that there's, like, now dynamics involved with all of this stuff. But Drake coming in with his high ass, not knowing the situation, what's going on. I feel bad for Drake. There's redeeming moments for Drake for me. This is kind of one of them, because he immediately, immediately is aware that something's wrong. And then Aaron comes in with her Xena warrior princess scream. And just, like, stabs <laughs> his ass in the back. And he's ready to go, like, full defense mode with Aaron. So I give credit where credit is due. Oh, and then so Z and Aaron go upstairs and they start arming the windows. And they make these, like, like makeshift, like, two-by-fours. It reminds me of Home Alone. Like, they're sticking nails in this board for Very Macaulay people Culkin. to step on. Yeah. Absolutely. There's that. And then that's, this is where we get our explanation as to why uh, Aaron knows how to do all these things. And she kind of gives a small insight into her childhood growing up. That she grew up on a survivalist count. Ah, that she grew up on a survivalist compound with her paranoid father. And I think it's an excellent explanation. You really don't need much past that. You're like, cool, got it. I got that now. I believe it. She's Australian. I don't know what they do down there. So like, it makes <laughs> yeah, sense right? to me. My favorite part is Z's response. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> like straight up, Z is that stone friend that's not even listening. I'm not even paying mm-hmm. attention to you right now. Back in the basement, Drake is telling Felix how he needs to look for Kelly, and when Felix tells him that Kelly is dead, Drake loses it and starts yelling at Felix. That's when Felix begins to stab him with the various tools in the basement. It takes about six sharp objects to take Drake down, which is really just inconvenient for Felix. He had so many people to kill that night, and Drake not going down with one stab was just really inconvenient. It was a really f***ed up scene. It's a very f***ed up scene. Let's talk about it before we move on to the next one. Because this is, like I said, Drake has some de- redeeming qualities about him. And this is kind of where it is for me. I, his death. From, his death is a redeeming quality. Death. 
yeah, it happens all the time in this show. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's because we actually get an emotional reaction for Kelly from him. Because I would have never guessed he would have had this reaction for Kelly. Like, it looks like he genuinely cared for his wife. Like, I wasn't expecting yeah. him to actually care for his wife. But, like, the at least this bitch had the audacity to stab him in the front. Thank you, Felix. Don't you just stab him in the back. <laughs> <laughs> would you just die already? It's hard enough for me. Would you just die? <laughs> How do you like this scene? It's it's sad in all honesty. Like this is like one of the few parts I was just like, oh, like I actually kind of felt for him. Like, I kind of agree. This is like a redeeming quality for him. Um, I think it's in the fashion that he dies. Like it just doesn't go down with one. Like you feel bad. You feel really bad. You feel awful. Felix. <laughs> Felix is, uh, Felix is the one having the worst night tonight, everybody. Felix <laughs> is one of those people that reminds me of, like, you come to him with your problems. You're like, yeah, I'm just going through a really hard time. Oh, and my God. That results. doesn't even compare to, like, what I'm going through right now. It's just like, me. Uh, me being sensitive. <laughs> Thanks a heap, Coyote Ugly. This cactus thing's worse than your abandonment. <laughs> <laughs> Back upstairs, the girls are finishing up the windows when Aaron says she's going to go check on Paul. When she finds his dead body, the killer makes himself known. Aaron throws her weapon at him, and when it fails miserably, she literally throws her body out of a two-story window. She's able to scurry to safety and pull a shard of glass out of her leg, but Lamb Mask Killer quickly finds her and shoots at her with an arrow, narrowly missing her. She limps away back into the house and hides to dress her wounds. Lamb Mask is hot on her tail and makes his way inside as well. He doesn't see the traps Aaron and Z have made and steps right onto one of the huge nails on the boards. He screams out in anguish and the others hear from upstairs. Felix orders Fox Mask to go and check on what's going on. I believe that's what I'm paying you for. <laughs> he and Z stay behind and she tries to seduce him next to his mother's corpse. It proves fruitless and they join the hired killers upstairs. Hello, Aaron. Aaron being the amazing final girl that she is, literally, literally throws her entire body out of a two-story window when she couldn't, like, there was no other exit for her. She wasn't able to, like, disable the killer. So she was like, I gotta get out of here. Boom, hop through that window. Without even thinking, that's, that's just what I have to give credit to Erin. She's just quick. She's quick. She is so fast. The scene... With the glass shard coming Ooh. out of her, that glass shard is a massive. It is a massive. And of course, she, being the survivalist, of course, her being the survivalist that she is, she has a little light, ready to go, always prepared. Oh, yeah. Always prepared. Never catch her slipping. Not f***ing once. Wow. In the dining room, Felix goes in on the killers about how sloppy they've been. And how he had to kill his own brother via stabbing more than once. Uh? Lamb Mask retaliates, stating that they killed his brother. And unlike Felix, he actually liked his. <sighs> Lamb Mask threatens Felix's life and then offers up more money, including his brother's cut. He just needs them to finish the job. From the other room, Erin has been listening silently until her phone goes off, alerting her that the emergency message has gone through. She manages to hinder Fox Mask long enough to get away and trick almost everyone into thinking into thinking she's run off, but Lamb Mask isn't fooled and peers into the window Aaron hopped back into. When he does, he's met with a knife to the forehead, killing him almost instantly. Ooh. Can we talk about the ultimate fucking read? At least I liked my brother. Sis? <laughs> Sis? 
rich people problems. That's what's mm-hmm. so twisted about all of this. Say what you want about like, oh, no, this is all realistic. Oh, no, I don't like black comedy. Oh, Just the sheer audacity for them to be like siblings killing family members so they can get their money is the most brutal fucked up shit. I've, I love it. I love it. I know I shouldn't, but I love it. I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought that was a funny read. But also the fact that Felix is just the biggest crybaby throughout this whole movie. All he yeah. does is complain about things and how things he has to do. He's just like, I had to kill my own brother and stab him more than once. Like, okay, but this was all your choice. This was all your decision to kill your those, those are, your parents and your siblings so you can get all the money. I, I don't care. I don't. I don't. Ma'am, I don't. I don't care. But Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. Kid, oh my god. But the most f***ed up shit is, is that none of these characters, like, none of the rich characters know really how to, like, talk to people. Like, when when Lamb starts going off, Felix responds to, like, Oh, that's your brother? Man, she really f***ed him up, huh? It's just like, <laughs> I want to kill you too, fool. I want to kill you too. I would never trust, a, like, a whiny white rich boy who says that I'll get my money later. I'll get my inheritance later. I can't pay you up front. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Money up front, always. Money up front. Erin, once again, I love her. It's the attack pose for me. It's the Mortal Kombat, like, attack pose, ready to go when she's hiding behind the curtain mm-hmm. and then does mm-hmm. the quick, da, 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 straight to the throat. Just enough to, like, hinder him so that way you can make a clean getaway. And she's so smart because she makes them think that she's run off into the woods and she really just circles back and hops in the window. On, like, wow, a- limping. I was just about to say, on a, like, uh, injured leg. I could never. I could never. I would have just laid down. Just take me. I would have been done after a paper cut. I could get infected. <laughs> but Lamass gets it good. He gets it good with a little a little bitch-ass, like, chode knife as well. Ew, don't say... Don't, but we got the best shot of her in the window, just prepped armed ready to go because I be- this is how she also gets her axe because she takes it from lamb face lamb head lamb mask whatever <laughs> she levels up and she gets that ask and we get the sick ass like she holds out, she's a final girl and we get the sick i'm just waiting for john carpenter so to like cool oh it's, 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 it's <laughs> i love it i love aaron i'm gonna say it i'll say it again aaron aaron for president <laughs> Gatekeep girl boss. Gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> with some time to spare, Aaron rigs the front door with a sledgehammer. Back outside, Felix, Z, and Foxmask still haven't found Aaron. Foxmask heads back to the house to check out Lambmask and to ensure he's not doubling back. When he makes it back into the house, he enters through the broken window and not the front door as Aaron had hoped. She abandons her plan and runs into the basement, knocking out all the lights as she runs. When Foxmask makes it downstairs, it's pitch black, except for a camera flash, flash, going off at the back of the basement. As he approaches, Aaron attacks him from behind with a huge log of wood, beating him to death. Mm. I love the styling of this death. I think the flashes are really cool. It creates mm-hmm. a cool vignette. I like hearing all the flashing and the, what, what is it called? The foley in this scene is great. The breaking mm-hmm. of the glass, the smashing with the log. I think it's top notch. It's very graphic. Um, mm-hmm. Simple, which we're suckers for. Simple and graphic, but yet like brutal at the same time. It's so well done. It's so well choreographed. It's so well shot yes. um, and well edited. It's a great scene. He's also an idiot for, like, following the light. I would have been like, no, I'm just going to, like, throw some gasoline down here and torch the whole house. But whatever. 
That's, that's how I would do it. But I did, Nancy would be so proud. The amount of booby traps that Aaron tries to set <laughs> is fantastic. It's smart. And I think that I want more characters with that, at least just cognizance, to be ready. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she's great. She's a fantastic final girl. Oh, and the music that plays is it. It's it, honey. I'm a sucker Isn't for Isn't it kind of... Oh, yeah. It's almost... Yeah, Cynthia. It's so good. Apparently, they had a vinyl release, and I really wanted it. But it's it's great. I have. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it either. It's Mm-mm. it's simple and like, mm-hmm. like a throwback. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like an 80s montage throwback that I love and j'adore out of any of my movies. She makes her way back upstairs from the basement, only to be shot with an arrow through the window by Felix. When they check for her body, it's gone. Z heads in to look for her while Felix goes back to his car to turn off the cell blocker he had turned on earlier. As Z makes her way through the house, Aaron pulls her into the kitchen where she beats her ass with a pot. Felix (laughs) runs in to join on the fun too, but is quickly taken out with a blender to the head. A literal blender to the head. Does anyone want a smoothie? So Z gets taken down with a bitch-ass paring knife to the skull, but Aaron lay there in between their bodies and is startled by Felix's phone ringing. She answers it, and it's Crispin. He asks if the deed is done and that he's sorry that he couldn't help that he's a pacifist. (laughs) I hate that line. I hate that line. Okay, these, this, this is probably one of my favorite action sequences in the whole film. Why? Because Aaron has had it. She's had it with these rich folks. She's killed all the assailants before, but this death is just... That blunder death is iconic. Hearing the sloshing of his brain gush and just seeing the blunder go to town is... it's, It's delicious. And Aaron, it's not just a paring knife that she uses on Z. It's the paring knife that gets stabbed into her shoulder that she rips out, <gasps> does a little flippity flip, oh, yeah, and then does. stabs her in the head. It's sick. It's so sick. I love it. I think it's beautifully choreographed. Whoever did the fight scenes, top notch. Top notch. No no. Also, Aaron, like every final girl, goes through the f***ing ringer because she finally makes her way out of the basement. You think that this bitch is like on the up and up. And as soon as she crosses like the threshold into the living room, boom, Felix takes her down with an arrow. And you're like, Ugh. this bitch, like, this film does not let you catch your breath. This film does not let up on Aaron as a final girl. This poor bitch has to be on her toes at every second because mm-hmm. everybody's out to get her. Everybody. And so they think they think they more money, her. more problems. <laughs> they think they got her and that's when uh z approaches her and bitch does she we get an awesome like girl fight in this tiny kitchen which is so dope and i love when aaron goes to take the pot of boiling water that she was i don't understand why people always boil water in these scenarios but whatever i'm sure there's a reason i think it's like a survivalist and like we need to have water that we can have that's sterilized or whatever i don't know probably uh, but maybe. is it are you talking about the part where she throws it at him because she <laughs> like thought it's it was cold, hot. You stupid bitch. And then he goes to like go in on her and he <laughs> slips and falls. <laughs> it's it's so good. Like the comedic beats, the choreography, and the deaths. This scene is like the perfect encapsulation of like this movie. You're gonna oh, get comedy. Yeah. You're gonna get horror. You're gonna get some sick, gory, delicious deaths. I have nothing but like top notch notes for this part. I agree because I think this death is the best death in the entire movie, but it's also one of the most creative deaths I've ever seen in almost any horror movie. Death by Blender. Are you kidding me? That is amazing. 
It's almost as cool as Death by Stereo. Stereo. I do it. It's, I love it. And the mic drop that is Crispin calling Felix. This is when I was gagged the first time I watched it. It, like, I didn't suspect Crispin only because he is a lame ass. That is the only (laughs) why I didn't suspect him. So to get him to do this and him complaining, you know how I, how I am about blood. I'm a, I'm a pacifist. It's just the cherry on top. It's just rich people still not taking accountability for the shit that they do. It Mm -hmm. never fails. That's why we hired professional killers. So I wouldn't have to see any of the blood. He's shocked to find that Aaron is the only survivor. He struggles to convince Aaron of his plan, where she was supposed to survive, but she's not buying it. After a long-winded speech, she stabs Crispin in the neck with a knife, and then again in the eye. Just then, Aaron is shot in the arm by a policeman who's been watching from the broken window that everyone, for some reason, keeps using instead of a door. Aaron (laughs) isn't dead, just subdued. The policeman runs back to his car to call for backup, but when he comes back, he attempts to enter the home through the front door. Aaron tries to warn him, but it's too late. The cop pushes the front door open, and we get a blood splatter title card. And the film ends. F*** yeah. Just f*** yeah. Oh, okay. Quick little rewind back. Okay, so it's revealed that Crispin was in on this the whole time. Crispin wanted his parents dead. He tries to offer this bitch $500,000 to pay off her student loan. She could quit her shitty bartending job. He's like, look at everybody's already dead. Do you really want all of this to go to waste? Quite honestly, he makes a pretty valid point. All of these people dead. And then for all the trauma that she went through, I would have been like, I want all the money. If you're going to survive, I, mean, I want every red cent. I mean, ooh, ooh, the way you said that. It's not, it's the way he delivers it. It's the spineless, slimy, oh, yeah. nasty way of him doing it. And the whole time, Aaron is just, cannot believe it. She's crying. She's shaking. She's holding the knife for dear life. And the line that kills me is when he asks her why when she stabs him. And she just says, why the hell not? And then just stabs <laughs> that f***er in the eye. It's the best. You want it. You needed it. You need someone to blame. And to give Crispin that title, I think, is well-deserved. Because it makes sense of everything that's happened in the whole movie about his distance with everybody. He's just a repugnant asshole is the best way you can describe it. It's always the he ones that play asshole. nice. It's always the ones that play nice and make you want to mm-hmm. believe he's a nice guy. Not a nice guy. The shot from the policeman, though, for me, for me, was the ultimate gag. I thought he, I thought she actually died. I thought this was the end of Aaron, and I would have been pissed. <laughs> me too. Me too. But I, like I said, they never let up for a second. Never let up for a second. From the moment that the dinner scene started, what, an hour ago? 30, like 45 minutes ago until now it has not let up poor Aaron has not had a moment to breathe and now she gets taken down by the police a deputy at that like uh, sorry deputy Dewey, Dewey. <laughs> it's I think it's a wonderful ending I wasn't expecting it to end here and which is why I think I like it so much if you can give me an ending that I'm not ready for I give you tens of credits for that I love a, an end title card, especially when it's like done differently. So when we get the blood yeah. splatter end title card, it's just the cherry on top of the cake for me. 
And then the end credits are everybody's deaths as Polaroids from the death scenes. Like, it's great. I love that little touch. But we are here at the end of our movie. And what are you going to give this week's recommended flick for its final scores? So, you're next. Quite possibly one of my favorite, more contemporary, I would call it, like slashers. I love this movie. Anytime I find out that nobody has seen this movie, I instantly recommend it. I show it to them. I remember I showed this movie to Richard when we first started dating and they were gagged. Um, I always recommend this. So for myself personally, I'm going to buy it because I love it. But I understand that a lot of people, this is kind of polarizing, I guess. Now that we did this episode, I didn't realize this movie is so polarizing. So if you don't want to commit to buying it, i say at least rent it. It's so much fun. It's so wicked. The kills are creative. It's great. I highly recommend you at least watch it. What are your sentiments? Uh, really? If you couldn't figure out, buy it. Just buy it. Just, just buy it. Yeah. Just buy the whole movie. This modern day slasher is so brutal, not just with the deaths, but the characters and their interactions with everybody. Aaron, just buy it for Aaron. Just buy it for Aaron. Aaron, the ultimate survival girl. The the final ultimate girl, I mean. <laughs> girl. Final girl. She's one of my, like, the way you mentioned it earlier, this is one of my favorite modern day slashers. She's one of my favorite final girls within like the past like 10 years, to be very, very honest. Mm-hmm. She's so f-ing cool. I love her. Just buy it. Don't rent it. Buy it. Just buy it. Before we talk about next week's release, please vote for your pick for the last week in February. It is going to be a killer listener-picked episode. Your choices are as followed. As follows. Words. (laughs) John Carpenter's Christine from 1983. Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell from 2009. Or James Wan's Malignant from 2021. Those are pretty heavy hitters, y'all. So head to our social media accounts to vote. Follow us on our Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. And I'm just going to throw my personal account out there. Is Nicholas Alexander Photography. And my personal account is at STFU Ray. And finally, our last scheduled flick of the month is a trip through body horror at its finest. We are heading to the teleportation pods and talking about one of our favorite actors here at TCQ Video. Next week's recommended rental is David Cronenberg's 1986 classic, The Fly. Starring our bae, Daddy Jeff Goldblum. Uh, At his peak, hotness. Like, Mm -hmm. even with the mold. David Cronenberg. This is our first David Cronenberg. I'm nervous. If if y'all have never seen a David Cronenberg film, you are in... For a creature feature. This is a body horror at its finest, in my opinion. And we are going to get this weird shit. I'm so excited to get weird. I'm super excited to talk about The Fly. And please, everybody, go pick your favorite for your listener-picked episode. I'm super hyped for it. I think these are excellent choices. And you've got wonderful picks to choose from. So please, 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 go vote. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, everybody. Thank y'all for tuning in. We will catch you on the flip side. Until then, stay safe. Stay queer. Stay queer. And we'll and see, we'll see you later. Bye, 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 bye.